Do you want to create a world-class brand that stands out? Are you trying to figure out how to get your customers to actually care and talk about your brand? Then you will love this branding masterclass with Ponysaurus Brewing co-founder David Baldwin. David is also the founder of Baldwin and an award-winning advertising and branding agency in Raleigh, North Carolina. Using Ponysaurus as a case study, we discuss how to create a memorable and impactful brand for your product, service, or company by finding its authentic truth. This episode starts off with the story and process behind creating Ponysaurus. Then we dive into more practical tips and topics on how you can create your own brand. We also talk best practices for advertising, going viral, finding your brand's voice, and why being bold is the best way to be memorable. If you're struggling to make a connection with your customers, then this episode is for you. The podcast by Tyler Benedict that explores the startup stories and growth tactics of hundreds of entrepreneurs, plus his own tips and tricks learned over two decades of launching, running, and growing businesses, including BikeRumor.com, the world's largest and most popular cycling tech blog. If you're thinking of starting your own business, the Build Cycle will give you the tools and inspiration to do it right. Now, let's dive into this episode of The Build Cycle. Right, David, we met a couple months ago yep. for some Southern States ad thing. I forget the name of it, but yep. it was a fun little event. One of the things that I remember you saying, and I hope I remember this right because I thought it was a pretty funny statement, but also really, really true, and I'll explain that in a minute, is for the Pony Source Brewing brand, I remember you saying something to the effect of, we came up with the Pony Source name and we thought it would be fun to build something around that, so we created a brewery. Is that at all accurate? <laughs> <laughs> I, I might have been misspeaking. Well, basically, I have to take a little bit of a step back because Ponysaurus is the confluence of three different people coming together to do this thing and would not have happened without any one of us. But basically, from my standpoint, I have an advertising branding company. Design, we do advertising design. And part of our business model and trying to create an agency that can live into the future in a time where you can be anything you want as an ad agency. And ad agencies, the revenues are falling and these things. So we said, let's take our life into our own hands and let's create our own brands. And so we own pieces of some of our clients, but we also have created our own brands. And one of the brands we've created is Ponysaurus. And so we were pitching all these different brewing companies in town, wanting to work with them, and they never had any money. And so I was like, well, if we're going to do it for free, you know, air quotes, for <laughs> free, let's just do it ourselves. And literally one of my art directors said, I know a guy. Kyle Jansen. He said, why don't I set up you and Kyle just to talk because Kyle wants to start a brewery. So Kyle and I sat down. He brought a bunch of beer that he had made. He was the head of the Home Brewers Association. I'm getting the name wrong probably. In Durham, he was the head of that chapter and uh, just made fantastic beer and was a really, really great guy. So we just bonded over it. And, and he said, I have a name for this thing. And I was like, what's the name? And he said, Ponysaurus. And I was like, pure gold. That is the best name ever. Yeah. And so he had already been talking with a guy named Nick H. Johnson. And Nick Hawthorne Johnson, is a hospitality operations guy in Durham who also is a contractor. He owns something called The Cookery. He owns a restaurant called Dashi and had a tremendous amount of experience in that world. So the three of us coming together made a really great piece of the puzzle. So you had the beer, you had the branding, and you had sort of operations. And Nick's also a contractor. So he was able to build things at a fraction of what it would have cost us to actually go do it. He could do it at cost. So 
it allowed us to start this thing. But what we then did was said, what is Ponysaurus? What is the beer Kyle makes? Kyle makes a non-traditional take on traditional beers. He loves to take a recipe and turn it into a Kyle recipe and, and a Kyle process of making it. And so we said, you know, you've got this name Ponysaurus, which is a combination of horses and dinosaurs that makes no sense, but is beautiful together. And you've got this style of brewing, which is sort of a, a traditional take on non-tradition. And we said, let's take that and make that the brand. Let's take that and just run with it. And so everything is kind of this jamming together of interesting things, you know. You talked to a lot of brewers and they, none of them had money yet. You decided to go into brewing. That wasn't like a warning sign that brewers didn't have any money. And you still decided to make a brewery. But Well, fundamentally for me as an entrepreneur, I've started two companies, one when I was 48 and one when I was 53. I don't do those things for the money. Obviously, money is we have to live, right? And we have to send our kids to college and we have to do those things. So money is a goal, but it's not the goal. The goal is an experience. And I know it probably sounds a little wonky, but we don't do it for the money. I feel like if you're doing things for the money, there's a lot better ways to make money than bootstrapping your own business. You know. That said, it's been a tremendous amount of fun and it is growing and it is doing well. And the agency and the brewery both are doing really well. I could have made other decisions to go make a lot of money, right? And I didn't do that. So we really didn't worry about that, which is why we bootstrapped it. And the reason we bootstrapped it together is we wanted to do it our way. We didn't want to be told what to do. We didn't want to have to answer to investors yet. It's a big possibility at some point as we expand because we're expanding and we're growing. And so there's a point at which we might have to do that. Cool. Congrats. Yeah, you guys have won Thanks. some awards, I think, both on the creative Thanks. side and yeah. the brewing side. So yeah, thank you. The reason why I wanted to talk to you about this is because I think the branding thing in my mind, maybe that's why I was remembering it the way I did was, you know, myself included, we come up with a cool idea. Like that guy had the name Pony Source yeah. and he wanted to do something with it. Or we come up with a cool brand name or logo or something. We're like, oh, that's mm -hmm. so cool. I should do something with it. Right. And then like after that, nobody knows what to do. Right. I mean, I've made those right. mistakes and done yep. a lot of stupid things. For sure. And so in your case, this was beer and it seems to be working out for you really well, but there's so many ways that could go so wrong. Right. So this is kind of a big open-ended question to kick things off, but like, how did you guys get it right? Well, I think getting it right sounds like some ultimate journey. I think a lot of things have gone wrong. We have had a lot of setbacks and things that we've been trying to do. I mean, we bought our own building. We built a brewery where none of us are manufacturing people. We've had to learn that as we've gone. What we have is a commitment to excellence and a commitment to figuring those things out. So Nick in particular, Nick H. Johnson has been fantastic at creating SOPs around everything we do and building a manufacturing capability that none of us came from that. There was an awful lot of learning and screwing up that happened along the way. What we did do along the way was make really good beer. So the beer stayed good. And it all probably looks easy when you're looking in from the outside. But it's been a lot of learning. One thing we did, there's sort of a fifth beetle at Ponysaurus named Rochelle Johnson, which is Nick's wife, who helped put together our business plan and has a tremendous amount of experience in running hospitality organizations, but also commercial organizations as well. She was instrumental in putting together our business plan and helping the three of us make some rhyme or reason and get numbers to this and all that stuff. So Nick and Rochelle were all over that part of it. But you make your plans and then it's all academic until you apply it to reality. But we had a very disciplined business plan that we started out with. As opposed to the ad agency, or I started the ad agency, I didn't have one. I didn't care. I was just like, I know how to do advertising. We'll figure out the making money part as we go. Yeah. But you mentioned excellence and like having yeah. a, a procedure and good beer. And you're right, it is good beer. We've drank plenty of it over the past few months. 
that's probably the most important thing is you have to have a good product because yeah. if you don't, nobody's going to come back. I think if you have a good brand, somebody will try it once. Right. And then if it's no great, question. they'll keep coming back. They'll tell their friends. If they don't, yeah. they won't come back and yeah. they'll tell their friends to stay away. Yeah. And so let's get down to the brass tacks on branding. So I love the slogan you guys have yeah. for Pony Source, which yeah. is the beer, beer would drink if beer could drink beer. Right. Which is fun. So what is your creative process in coming up with something like that for any brand? Yeah. Well, what you try to do is tell the truth and find an authentic truth. And most of the time, and from an advertising branding standpoint, you're working with a company that's existed for anywhere between five to sometimes 80 to 100 years. And so there's an awful lot of archaeology that goes into that of trying to define what the voice is. And what great advertising and branding does is it's not making it up. It's telling the truth about what is and creating new futures by getting to what is. With a new brand, you actually get to make it up as you go. And so again, what we tried to do was what's that story that Nick, Kyle, and I could credibly tell about the product that we make, the brand that we're creating, and what we care about you know, our mission as a company is to use beer to build community. That's what we're trying to do. Like, how can we make the community around us better with beer? We obviously have to make a great product to do that or else we don't get to sustain. But we have tried to have something that we believe in beyond just making the money. And so everything that we've done, if you actually look at a lot of the work that we do, the work that we do in the tap room, a lot of the branding that we do, it's coming from that place of how do we build community. So that's something that we all fundamentally believed going in. It's one of the things we all bonded over was like, how can we use beer to make Durham better? How can we then use it to make North Carolina better? How can we then, as we get bigger, how can we start to use this to build community everywhere? And so that's just a fundamental belief between the three of us that we've all been very excited about. So from a sort of getting wonky with tone of voice and all that stuff, we created a tone of voice that we call willfully stupid, possibly brilliant. Because what we want you to do is, you know, if you just read the cans, you read any of the communications that we create, it's usually kind of weird, funny, stupid. And then you go, wow, that's really smart. We just have an awful lot of fun with that tone of voice and everything that we do. And so that's, again, part of the brand. So if you look at the look and feel of what we've done, it's a non-traditional take on tradition and it's putting together things that haven't traditionally belonged together. Just our logo alone, the actual Ponysaurus is a riff on old English pub signs, you know? And so what we did is we said, let's do a contemporary pub sign. If someone was going to do a pub sign from the 1700s today, what would they do? And that's what that is. So it looks like this engraved dino horse that's always existed. And that's the Ponysaurus. So the typography that we've created and the way we've approached it all is, again, it's very well crafted. It's very meticulously crafted and looked at because the beer is meticulously crafted. So we're trying to reflect all of those things as well. So we're always taking tradition and kind of jamming it into some kind of contemporary mishmash. I mean, I think maybe that kind of stuff probably comes easy for you. And But if you break that down into the steps, it sounds to me like just trying to rehash that in a bullet point form would yeah. be something like, okay, figure out what your mission is, like what makes you guys special or what do you want to accomplish? Yeah. And then what do you want your voice to be? Yeah. And then along with voice is kind of your look and feel because without all those things, it's almost impossible to create a brand because right. you don't know what that brand needs to be. Is there right. something you'd add to that bullet point list? Yeah. So one of the most important things is what's your point of view. So every brand has a point of view. It's got a point of view in the world. Positioning and all of that stuff is incredibly important and still relevant to this day. But the point of view of a brand, I think, has never been stronger. There's a lot of talk around purpose right now. I prefer to think of it as point of view and impact, like what's the impact you're having. And so again, our point of view is how do we use beer to build community? The product we make, we've defined it as it's a beer for when you're paying attention. If you're wanting to slam down Miller Lights, 
that's not the time to drink Monisaurus. It's a different kind of experience than that. So I think starting with your point of view, it creates a lens that you can shine everything through. And that's for any brand. Once you have your point of view, if you just go to the sort of grandfather of awesome taglines, it's Nike with Just Do It. Just Do It is not about shoes. It's about actually getting up and doing things. That's what it's about. It's an attitude and it's a point of view in the world. So they have this strategic platform that I don't have the documents. So this is all hearsay, but it's everyone has a body and they make things that help bodies do the things they're supposed to do. That's a point of view. That's all that is. It helps to frame everything you say, everything you do. The other thing that we look at, we think of brands as verbs. So what are the actions you're taking? What's the set of behaviors that you're creating around your brand? So if it's aligned around a belief system and this point of view, what are those behaviors? And then you start to create behaviors in the marketplace. One of the behaviors is going to be, we really care about our product. Some brands don't. Some brands, believe it or not, they're just, some brands are trying to make their product as efficiently as possible, as good as possible, but with obsolescence built in, things like that. Like those are all behaviors. So our behavior is to create a really, really well-crafted, great tasting beer. But our other behaviors are how are we going to behave in the community? How are we going to act in the community? How are we going to actually make the beer? Are we going to make it as sustainably, responsibly as possible? What are we going to do with our spent grain? You know, we have a deal where our spent grain goes to a farm. It goes back into the food chain. So those are all behaviors that I think for any brand should think about, like, what's the impact that you're having on the way you make your stuff? Who's making your stuff? How are you paying those people? Like all that stuff is behavior. Where brands really start to get killed today is when they say one thing and do something else. That's where you'll see the dissonance in the marketplace. And social media has made it to where those brands can be brought down really fast. I think that's an important foundational thing is to decide what your behaviors are. Yeah. So once you have these things in place, like maybe you've created these ideas, these behaviors, these philosophies that you want to portray through your brand. Maybe those are important to you and the people working for you, but how do you ensure that those same things are relevant to your customers, yep. that it's something that's going to resonate in the community and the people that you Absolutely. want to buy your product? Yeah. So what we would say, again, is it depends on how disciplined you want to get. You can get as disciplined and spend as much money on this as you want is to find the customer mindset that you're speaking into. We're coming from the other way. We're saying we're going to put our point of view out there and we know there are people that are going to be take part of it. We also know there are going to be people that are against it. And a great example of that is we came out against HB2 with a product called Don't Be Mean to People <laughs> that raises money for LGBTQ causes. And we did that in collaboration with Mystery Brewing in Hillsboro. And then it turned out with, I think, 40 other breweries across the state. We ended up creating this collaboration with tons of different breweries. We got threats on that. Like There were people that were not happy about it. But we knew there were enough people that were going to be on our side on that issue, that we'd be fine. So we didn't really worry about it. So I think there definitely is something to be said for creating products and brands for a customer mindset or a customer set or a demographic set. We didn't do that. We knew there was a beer population in North Carolina. It's already proven. We don't need to prove that. What we said was, will there be a beer population that's going to like what we do and what we stand for? And we think there is. So so just, I think the mere act of creating that philosophy, the identity, the actions, the behaviors and all that, you end up with an internal brand story that yeah. hopefully all of yep. your employees and everybody knows. Is that enough to try and let that story come out through your products and behaviors? Or do you think you need to create like a written brand story and have it up on your about us page? Yeah. And, you know, like really wordsmith it. I think ultimately it's fantastic if you have something that's reflective of how you're living and how you're behaving. It's funny. We don't have a brand book. I think we live our brand every day. I think it would be great to have a brand book, but we've had to prioritize because everything happened at once. 
we literally everything happened at once. We're branding a product that doesn't exist yet that's on its way to the market that everything was happening at once. And so when you do that, you're changing the tire on a moving car, which is where I think most companies find themselves when they're trying to make some kind of change or where they're pivoting. Again, we had the advantage of doing it all at the beginning. So what we were able to do was have, again, be thoughtful about what we wanted to say, be thoughtful about how we wanted to say it and how we wanted to look and feel and what behaviors we wanted to create in the marketplace. Doing that at the beginning, it's everything because you're not making anything up. It's just all coming from a real authentic place. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny as we have grown, I have a presentation that I give to people that come work for us. Like I'll send them like, here's the brand, like for the salespeople, here's the brand, you know, here's what it is. So as you go out there and talk, you know, the things that we say. So, but it's not a brand book. It's not like, it's not a manifesto. I was looking at the Pony Source website there, yeah. but it doesn't seem like you have a real long story on there about what Pony Source yeah. is. There's a little bit of history, how you guys started and all that. What's your take as a branding expert for building in a little bit of ambiguity, right? Like, so your product is good, or there's some slogans, a little bit of branding on it. Your employees and your salespeople act a certain way, as opposed to stating out explicitly what your brand story is and what your mission is. Like, is it enough to, you think, let those people go about it and act it out in the marketplace and let consumers kind of form their own opinion? Because I think when consumers are able to create their own story for you, they're way more emotionally invested in it. But at the same time, yeah. they might make the wrong assumptions. Yeah. How would you go about something like that? Yeah, well, I'd say it a little differently. I think you can create a story and a point of view that people will buy into. Let's not pretend anybody's buying into brands at a level of family or something like that. Like the whole idea that because you like something on Facebook, you actually like it is ludicrous. You know, People don't want to be friends with brands and things like that. That said, when you do it right, people do take delight in what brands are up to sometimes. And sometimes they get really mad at you, by the way. right? So if a brand is sort of this promise that exists between you and your customers, you just need to not betray that contract. You need to not betray that promise. And so again, like everything we do, we're constantly trying to create behaviors that are consistent with our values that people go like, oh, I love that. I want to be part of that. I have no doubt that some people are just like, well, it's good beer. I like the beer. I love the picnic tables. You know, I mean, I love to be able to sit in the yard. All of those things are just as real. So, but again, I think that's why point of view is so important because when you put your point of view out there, you do get a certain amount of people who buy into the point of view. And by that, I don't mean, you know, they're not putting a tattoo of you on them. Although some people might. Some people might. You always get those people who will do that. But you create something that people want to be a part of. They enjoy the product. And those are the people that will share things. Those are the people that will talk about it. And, you know, ultimately for us, like our two issues are awareness and distribution. Those are our issues from a branding standpoint. So we're trying to get distribution in new markets and we're trying to identify those markets in a smart way. And then we're trying to go into those markets in the way that we want to go in. Then we have our brand going into those markets in our way. And so we just think people will be attracted to that. And there's just an inherent levity and fun to the Pony Source brand that people like. The beer market is so crowded. It's insane how crowded it is. And so um, we know what we're up against when we do that. So our thing is, how do we be as clear as we can with our point of view so that it helps build awareness? Because broad awareness is the best way to grow. So, Yeah, my take on it is the more people can form their own opinion is better as yeah. long as you're guiding that opinion in the right yeah. direction through yeah. your actions and your product. Let's say you have a blank slate, either with a new company like you did with Pony yep. Source, or there's a company that is established with yep. whatever kind of yep. product, but yep. they have the opportunity to sort of reposition themselves any yep. way they want. So yep. if somebody's coming in, like 
What is your take as far as pure branding play, something that you think is going to resonate the most with consumers, or maybe which of these things would not resonate, maybe not be something to brand around? You can kind of pick. You could be branded as the price point option, you know, the most yeah, affordable sure. option in the category, sure. or the most premium option, or something else. Like, Are there yeah. some that you see as really good things to brand around and really bad things to brand around? I think it all depends on what's authentic to the company. Authenticity is like the most bankrupt word at this point. It's a terrible word. It happens to be a word that perfectly describes what you're talking about when you use it as it's intended. But what we have found, talking about the agency side, the Baldwin Ann side, is that there is a reason most companies started that they often have forgotten or lost. So the Charles Winchester, the founder of the Winchester Rifle Company, he built this mansion and then he died and his wife kept building it. But she built it with no plans. So literally like on the third floor, like there's a door that you open the door and it's a three-story drop. And like no plans. She would just go like, I want a room there. Put a room there. I think it's a really good simile for what a lot of brands have happened where they're just in the marketplace and they're going like, oh, there's a need over there. Let's build that. And suddenly they have a need that they are fulfilling that has nothing to do with their original premise, but it's making them revenue. So they have to do it. And what we find is when you go into those companies, there is often something in the center of that with just some really simple archaeology you can get to and go, oh, that's what you're about. That's what your company's about. Your company's actually about fulfilling this need, right? Let's go back to that. Great that this makes money. We're still going to do that. Like, can't get rid of that. You know, let's double down on whatever that original need or intention was. What it actually, what you'll find is it actually opens the world to you because the more specific you are with what you are and who you are and what you do, the more people will come to you and are attracted to you. It's when companies just say they do everything that people get confused and they won't go to you. I would say if you're a company that's been around for a while, either hire somebody if you can't do it yourself, but if you can do it yourself, go back and do some archaeology about why your company started in the first place and what your original impact and needs you were trying to fill. There's something there. That's bigger than we wanted to make money, which is, of course, important. Business doesn't exist without that, but that's what we always do. So we always go back and look at the original thing. And sometimes you go, well, the original thing's not relevant anymore. So now what's the new thing? And it often comes from the CEO or it comes from the board or it comes from the founders or whatever it is. That's always kind of the place to start is what's the intention of what you're trying to do. It's not that hard. What's hard is you have to make choices. That's the hard part. And I think getting people to realize that when they make those choices and simplify their reason to exist, the world opens to you. Yeah. Well, we did that with bike rumor. You know, for the first yeah. few years, we were trying to cover anything and everything cycling, yeah. you know, racing news and this, that. And then I found myself some days like sitting on the TV, watching the Tour de France, trying to write a story about that day's race yeah. and just bored to tears. Yeah. Like, so much had been rattled to writing. Yeah. We decided like, all right, we're just going to focus on the new products and tech. And once we did that, we started doing that so much better. Yeah. Instead of a piss poor job yeah. trying to do race coverage that nobody read anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you said, it really opened up the doors to do the things we really wanted to do and really yeah. enjoyed as yeah. well. So are there certain aspects of a company that are better for building your brand around than others? Someone could build a brand around being the most affordable option or the most premium option. Maybe you'd call that their USP. Are there some that just work better or easier to create a brand identity for? So finding the nugget and the core of why you exist is everything. And it might be that you're the most affordable. Southwest Airlines is one of the most affordable airlines. What they've done, though, is they've turned that into a reason to exist beyond that, which is they want to democratize flying. It's like everybody deserves to be able to fly, right? So yes, it's the cheapest option, but they didn't just come out and say we're the cheapest option. And what we know, it's been proven over and over again, is that people make decisions emotionally, not rationally. There is rationality into it all the time, but people react emotionally 
to brands. And so that's why it's so important to figure out what your point of view is. And your point of view might be, look, we've got a business model that we've completely disintermediated the whole market. We're going to be the cheap one that delivers quality. Great. But that's the dollar store. That's what the dollar store does. And I think they're probably doing fine, but everyone's not shopping at the dollar store. And I would posit that because people think like, well, it's cheap crap. I would say find whatever that thing is and turn it into a need being fulfilled in the market that's bigger than just a rational argument. Like an emotional need. So my friends and I are working on a powdered sports drink mix yeah. compete with some of the other ones yeah. out there. Yeah. Because we think they're all way too expensive. So yeah. Our entire selling premise is that we're the same quality as you guys. Yeah. Literally half the price. Right. But yeah, I've been struggling with how to brand that because I don't want to just say, yeah, look, we're the same, but we're cheap. So if you were Southwest, what you would say, and I'm not saying to do this, but you would say, we know what the margins are, overpriced, the performance sports market, clearly they're charging you out the wazoo for this product. And we think you actually deserve it. And this would be the Southwest model. So we're actually going to democratize the ability for everybody to have a sports recovery or to have better performance or whatever your thing is. I don't know what it does, but I would look there. The rational argument is still incredibly important in there. And that's that it's cheaper. But you're contextualizing it in a way that's different. So, and I think that's all great brands do. And that's, again, what is that? That's a point of view. Southwest Airlines' point of view is that everyone deserves to be able to fly. Now, that said, they talk about it in terms of this word purpose, which I think has just become, again, like a dangerous word in marketing because it's become conflated with like attaching yourself to a cause or most brands that do it badly attach themselves to some purpose that has nothing to do with what they make, you know? or what they're about. So I think getting really real and authentic with why you're in business and why are you doing this is everything. All right. So one thing I think every brand wants to happen for them and tries a lot of times in vain to make happen is for something they're doing to go viral. Are there things you can do with your branding that would naturally encourage people to share your story, your content, your product, or just, you know, word of mouth? Our point of view is that you can engineer virality by paying for it. Every year, there's a bunch of things that are accidentally viral where a cat falls in the toilet. It's essentially someone pulling their pants down to get attention or it's just something that works. It was an accident, but it worked. The truth is every brand and every content producer is up against those cultural moments. And so we would say that social media is actually now a traditional media channel. They're just traditional media channels. And so if you want, you can actually pay for views. And so you can pay for 20 million views on something. Is that viral? There's been a mistake to think that you can just create things. When I hear someone say, we created a viral video and you go look at it and it has like 900 views. And you're like, that's not a viral video. That's a video. <laughs> a viral video is the uh, ice bucket challenge. That's a viral thing that if that was intentionally done, why, why haven't there been 40 more of those if they knew exactly how to do it? Yeah. So what we would say is, you know, you've got to look at social media as a traditional media. It's a new traditional media platform. I would argue though that like, paying for the views does not positively impact people's perception of your brand nearly as much. It creates awareness, but yeah. something truly viral is something where people are surprised and delighted and sure. they want to share it. You know, the sure. paid views probably aren't getting shared. They're getting the views because they're being bought as opposed to shared yeah. organically. So like, are there some things you guys have done that have worked well to just sort of like yeah. at least sure. accelerate the shareability of it? Absolutely. Let me be really clear. I wasn't saying just put out a commercial on Facebook and pay for it. That's not what I meant. Though that's viable as hell. The advertising works. And unfortunate truth is bad advertising works. It's just bad. 
you still need to create content that's engaging. A great example is, I would say, is Geico did those unskippable commercials, unskippable pre-roll videos years ago on YouTube. Do you remember those? Look them up. Google unskippable commercials Geico. Unbelievable. And what they did was they just played with the medium. What's the first thing you do when that skip button comes up? Hover over. You're just waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, you're waiting for the countdown so that you can hit skip. What they did was they actually, they said, you know, Geico saves you money with 15 minutes and then it froze, the scene froze and there were these hilarious scenes. And you watched like for 15 to 30 seconds, you watched this video because they were funny. But I'm sure they were seated and paid for. I'm sure they paid for those. I'm sure they put those out there with a media plan and Geico spends a ton of money. So you have to create engaging content for anything to be shared, but you got to prime the pump too. You know, just putting a video out is very difficult to make that go viral. So engaging content is everything. And I will say this, I mean, I'm speaking from my advertising side now, 95% of all advertising is crap. It's terrible, right? But 5% is awesome. And I hear all the time because I'm in advertising. People love to tell me, I hate advertising. And I'm like, oh, do you have a favorite commercial? And they're like, oh God, I love that FedEx commercial. And they talk about it for five minutes. And I go, so you don't hate advertising. You hate bad advertising. Like you love good advertising, you know? And I think that's the truth of advertising is there's a permission given for advertising. We understand as long as we know we're being sold to, we're okay with it. We're okay with it. But there's 5% of it is amazing. And the rest of it is just awful and yells at you. Well, you it's, it's almost like creating a brand, right? Like if you don't know what you're doing, you're just throwing something out there. Yeah. It's probably going to be bad. For the advertisers that we get on Bike Room, a lot of them ask like, what works? What should we do? And I usually tell them it's one of two things. You're either doing a long-term branding campaign where you're just buying impressions or you're doing a call to action because you have a short-term sale or something that you want to promote. And your creative, the artwork for that needs to be very different. And the artwork or the message, whether it's video, audio or anything, I think really needs to have a goal in mind. And if it's branding, then those Geico things that are just funny, yep. just something to keep yep. that Geico name in your yep. mind. Whereas, you know, like a sale at, I don't know, Starbucks this weekend, right? Like they're trying to get you into Starbucks this week. I guess like shift a little bit from branding to advertising. So when you guys are creating ads, whether it's print or yep. radio or billboards for your clients, or if somebody is doing it themselves, like maybe two or three tips you could give them to create something that's not bad. When you say doing it yourself, you mean the client's doing their own? Yeah, like they've got an in-house graphics guy. Because that's a lot of the bike brands that we deal yeah. with. They're small. They, they don't have an agency. Yeah, They're slapping together the same graphics yeah. they're using on their website yeah. and resizing it. Yeah, I think that's a waste of money. I mean, I would encourage them to go find a creative team and a strategist. Or if they can't afford an agency, build an agency around an affiliation of an agency that can work with you because unless you're a genius and some of the people doing it themselves are a genius. So there is genius in some of that work. You're probably wasting your money and wasting your time and you really should hire somebody. It's worth hiring the right person is going to get you there much faster. And you're going to look back and have some ROI to it versus what you're just trying to do. That said, I'm completely stealing this from somebody who just wrote this on Facebook like a few days ago and I read it. And they said, think of branding as watering your lawn. The grass doesn't grow immediately. But if you water your lawn consistently over a year, you're going to have a really lush, awesome lawn. And if you don't, the lawn's going to die. And so advertising is not a silver bullet. There is direct advertising that can prop up direct. You can get results, but it, it's been proven that it doesn't last over time unless you build some kind of brand. So I think the guy slapping the ad together in the back is not doing anything to delight customers, their customers. They're just not building any delight into it. They're building what is important to them that they think is going to be important to their clients or customers. And maybe they will be sometimes. But I would also say is the context of the site you're talking about where they're coming just for the deal. 
Because if it is, then that might be smart. But I would still say you still have to build your brand. Your brand is a leverageable asset. And so if you just don't use it or you ignore it, you're letting something that could be such a powerful asset in the marketplace for you just sit there. It's like having money sitting in a non-interest bearing account. You know, it's just the money's there, but it's not going to grow. So what's your take on the actual methods for getting the brand message to the masses? Because nowadays there's video, there's social, there's blogs, you know. What's the best avenue for getting the word out? I think smaller companies should overspend based on their revenue. Personally, that's what I've seen. Overspend on? Overspend in, in their marketing and their advertising. There's a marketing paradigm called double jeopardy, which is really tough. And double jeopardy is that brand loyalty comes from penetra- market and household penetration and wide awareness. So when you look at any market, the companies that spend the most money and have the biggest customer base are the ones that actually grow the fastest. It's not in any way rocket science. None of that is surprising. What sucks is if you're small and you have no awareness and you have no money, that's what you're up against. And so that's why they call it double jeopardy. The smaller you are, the harder it is to build that loyalty and do those things. So you have to constantly build awareness. And so I think you have to be a little bit bold as a smaller marketer to get your name out there and to get your reason to be out there and to put that thing out there that makes people go, God, I love them. I love that company and I want to be part of that. I love what they're doing. I love what they're making. I want to buy it. Whatever that thing is, it's just a marketing truism. I mean, you're better off putting bad advertising out there widely than you are putting nothing. So yeah. let's say you want to spend the money and you want to do it. For your clients, where yeah. do you see the biggest ROI? Is it with video? Is it with just social media ads or banner ads on places, print ads, billboards, radio? Listen, traditional media is still the best way to get your message out. Social is important. It's a tool. It's a wonderful tool. And if you spend widely, again, it's becoming, as the screens are turning into sort of one experience across a lot of screens. Social media is just another outlet as a media platform. Video works fantastic. You know, if you look at really great social posts, really good ones, they're just ads. That's all they are. They are ads for your product. Again, going back to double jeopardy and this idea, you want wide reach and wide awareness, you got to go as widely and as big as you can. So outdoor still works great. Print still works great. Newspaper works great. Radio is fantastic. Radio works really, really well. TV works great. TV is still the best way to get broad reach. The advertising industry and technology is like a bunch of kids running around a soccer field chasing a ball. Like you ever watch kids play soccer? It's a mob chasing a ball. There's no strategy to it. They're just chasing this ball and the coach is pulling their hair out, you know, because they're not executing the brilliance that they created. So we get really enamored with the newest thing, but the traditional media is still fantastic if you can buy it. Awesome. Yeah. Anything I didn't ask, like if you were consulting a brand about how to best position their brand or create a brand. What's something I haven't covered that's important? What I think is that safety is actually risky and being risky is actually safe. You might screw up and I'm not saying be edgy. I want to be really clear. I'm not saying like be edgy. Being edgy is often stupid. I don't know if you saw what happened with Burger this week. This agency produced a post that for this hamburger chain that said, um, when your friends want to go to McDonald's and it had a picture of the journalist who was kidnapped by Al-Qaeda or ISIS and beheaded showed him being beheaded and, and a hamburger in front of it and said, you shame me. And it was you know, giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. They're just stupid. I mean, they just didn't do their job. I, I don't think there was evil intent behind it. I just think it's cluelessness. Yeah, clueless. But my God, what a mistake. I don't mean that. There's a tendency for agencies to be mistaken for using the word edgy. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is being brave enough to be authentic with what you are and who you are and telling that story and getting out there, spending the money you need to spend to get that message, being smart about 
who sees it and really taking a stand in the world for who you are and what you do, it's been proven over and over again that it's more effective than playing it safe. And what a lot of brands do is they want an econometric model that says, if I do this, I get this. It exists. That is there. You can do it. But it's like circling the wagons. There's a couple of different studies about it that shows that award-winning creative advertising is more effective than regular advertising. It doesn't. That's a study that was done in, in England. So I feel like brands need to realize that by playing it safe, they're actually hurting themselves. Awesome. It's a good place to wrap up. Thanks yeah. a lot. I appreciate Thank your you, time. man. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Branding is such a tough thing because to do it right, you really need to know who you are, what you stand for, and why your products matter. David gave us a ton to think about, and I've recapped it all in great detail to provide an action list in the show notes at thebuildcycle.com, plus links to connect with David, check out Pony Source Brewing, and other things that we talked about in this episode. There are a couple of thoughts I wanted to add and highlight. First, when you create a brand around your own values, not only does it make it easier to stay motivated throughout the day-to-day work of building a company, it also tends to attract the type of customers that you want as customers. More than ever, people are aligning and spending money with the brands that share the same values they do. You can't please everyone, so you're much better off defining who you are, sticking to it, and reaping the rewards of a fiercely loyal fan base. David uses Southwest Airlines as an example. They started out as the cheapest option, which rationally makes it the best option. But people make purchase decisions emotionally, so their concept of democratizing air travel because everyone deserves to be able to fly makes that emotional connection with people who otherwise thought flying was out of reach. Now all of a sudden, they have someone on their side, and that's a powerful branding technique. When it comes time to design your own advertising, whatever form it may take, think big. Think about how you can surprise and delight, and don't be afraid to take risks. Who do you remember at a party? That boisterous person with a loud laugh standing at the table toasting the host? Or the wallflower wearing plain clothes sitting on the couch? They were both there, but only one of them gets and keeps people talking long after the party is over. The trick, if you're the life of the party, is to keep it clean and fun for everyone, and don't alienate others for the sake of attention. If that sounds like, quote unquote, playing it safe, David uses the word edgy to explain. You don't want to be edgy, you want to be bold. Edgy will offend everyone because it's inappropriate. Bold may not appeal to people who don't agree with your authentic truth, but will enthrall those who share the same values you do. So be bold, state your values in a way that surprises and delights, and watch your brand grow like crazy. Thanks for listening. Before you head off on your next adventure, I've got a bold ask. Could you use that podcast app you're using right now and leave me a quick rating and review? Thanks a ton. Here's hoping you've found your authentic truth and are thinking big. Until next time, keep building.